From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca. We're on your favorite podcast app too here for the Tuesday episode. It's going to be a quick one, but we may have three, perhaps even four episodes of the Craig Needles Podcast this week, depending on how things go. Why are we going to do so many? Well, one of the reasons, not all the reasons, but one of the reasons is AMO is in town, Association of Ontario Municipalities, and there are a lot of folks here with a lot to say. There's courses and whatnot. Now, a lot of it, I'm going to be honest, a lot of it is just glad-handing and telling everyone how wonderful they are. I had a chance to go check it out uh, both on Monday and on Tuesday, but there's some actual real-life important conversations that are happening at AMO as well, and you're going to see counselors from all over the province there, and, you know, we're showing off London, even though the area in and around the convention center where this is going on is a complete construction zone, but we're showing off the parts of London that are finished, And, and that's great, but I think that some of the policy stuff I found to be very interesting, and this is something that's going on in municipalities all over the province, which is the number of students that are being allowed to come to universities and colleges outweighs, in a lot of cases, significantly outweighs the amount of housing that is available for those students. So what does that mean? What does that do to a community? That drives up rental markets and that changes the math and changes the ability of a landlord to really get into exploitive situations with students and violate fire codes and things along those lines because the landlord has the confidence to say, what are you going to do? Go someplace else? So, and I'll be honest, I'll use the terminology. Slumlords have a chance to turn what was once a single family home into a space for 10 people. And someone who is at the discussion about this at AMO on Tuesday was Councillor Sam Trosso, who of course is the counselor for Ward 6, which is the area surrounding Western University. And I wanted to ask Sam about what he thinks can be done. Sam comes at this from an interesting perspective. He's a guy who's worked in educational environments for a long time. So he has the council perspective and the perspective of what universities are and aren't doing and, and should and shouldn't be doing. And, and he and I have a lot of takes that I think are pretty similar on this, that universities and colleges need to be stepping up here. So here's my conversation from AMO today with Ward 6 Councillor Sam Trosso. Sam, we're here at AMO and we were talking about student housing, which I, I think is a pretty important issue in this province right now because we've seen enrollments at a lot of these universities, a lot of these colleges go way up and we haven't seen the housing reflect that and that's led to some dangerous situations in some places. So what were you hoping to hear today and what did you hear today that you're interested in? Um, I heard some really good comments from, 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 the, from the audience and I heard some uh, I saw some really good slides. I would have liked to have seen a uh, program that was a little bit more explicitly focused on what universities can be doing when they're living in these towns like London, you know, uh, to be building more, more, more housing. Uh, I wanted to see a student on the panel, uh, but all in all, I'm really glad that AMO put this on and, and at least and at least addressed it. Because it's not just an issue in London, it's an issue all over the place. Here in London, as an example, Western comes out this week and saying, hey, we're going to build uh, housing for, for 10,000 students, which is great, but that's just kind of, you know, just the start, right? They're, they've got to do a lot more than that. 
It, it, doesn't, it doesn't match their enrollment growth projections. Number one, it has to match the enrollment growth projections. But even be, beyond that, many of the current students are underhoused, and that is they're overcrowded. They, the, the, the rents are just soaring so much, especially in, in places like the near-campus neighborhood. People can't afford decent housing. And what ends up is uh, they, they live in very substandard, overcrowded places that, uh, especially for graduate students and postdocs, uh, it's not conducive to the kind of study and work that they have to do when they're living in these converted, converted homes. Yeah, and it's an issue obviously around Western, but uh, certainly around Fanshawe too, where you have a converted home that at one point in that home's life, it was for one family. And you've done all these conversions, you have all these bedrooms, and all of a sudden you have 10 students living in what was at one point a single family home. And, and a lot of them don't, uh, they violate fire code and things along those lines. And it, it needs to be addressed. The city needs to be doing much more to uh, engage in proactive uh, code enforcement. And this is something I've, I've been talking about this for years. This is nothing new for me. But Fanshawe is, is good. It's good you mentioned Fanshawe because their 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 reliance on uh, converting to uh, international students is even is even higher, much 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 higher than even Western. Western is like at fifteen percent; they want to go to twenty percent. Fanshawe is much higher than that, so that creates a situation where people people get accepted here. They show up in town. Now, what are they going to do? Because they're not they're they're not. You're placed in a great department with a great faculty member with a great research program, uh, world class, really. Uh, and then you're here and it's like, where are you going to live? Yeah. And in some cases, it's in a one bedroom that used to be a quarter of a living room and you have very little space for a bed and a TV and a computer and that's about it. And again, there's fire code concerns, there's safety concerns. Uh, the more housing that can be on the market, the less we're going to have people in that situation because they'll have other options. Yes, and that's exactly right. And plus the, plus the noise, mm -hmm. because people, people that come here uh, for these programs want to spend some time studying and yes you can go up to the library at night but sometimes you're you're just better off going home when it's when it's when it's light when it's light when yeah. it's light out um, so I think the universities uh, and this is not just Western I'm not no. picking on Western um, it, it, it's a, it's a problem it's a problem throughout Ontario but it's a national problem but I, I think in Ontario there needs to be some additional guidelines that tie enrollment growth to some type of housing Plant. Really happy to see the high rise going up at Huron. Mm -hmm. uh, really happy to see that there's going to be another one at Richmond, uh, at, at Richmond Gates, uh, a graduate student uh, a facility down down uh, down where they have the uh, current graduate student facilities on on Warncliffe. Um, absolutely wonderful, but but it's it's not enough. And you you mentioned that it's it's not enough, and I and I don't think it's enough either. How much of this is on the federal government, though, from the perspective of they've had these pretty, and the provincial government, too, they've had significant uh, allowances for international students. I'm not saying we shouldn't have international students. Of course we should. But it appears as though our post-secondary institutions don't have a plan for those folks to have a place to live. So if that's the case, why is the government allowing it? So I think that there needs to be a conversation on that, on that level, right? Well, I think, I think the, uh, the senior gut levels of government that provide a lot of the funding for capital projects for the university need, 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 need to look at this, too. Because if the university wants to put up another laboratory or, or uh, a classroom building there's, or, or a research park or the, the innovation center, there's plenty of capital money 
for that. And I think maybe the university needs to be thinking of allocating a fair share of, of the massive amount of capital investment. The university is very successful, fortunately so, at, at attracting a lot, a lot of a lot of federal and, and provincial, but mostly federal money for, for to support to support their world class research, which is which is great. But there, there needs to be some type of balance in terms of student services and what we're going to do with the people who are uh, coming to London. Because if we don't do that, it does create a negative effect. In, in, in the neighborhood, and, and I know there's an aversion to NIMBYism, but I, I, I think that there, in the near-campus neighborhood, there are a lot of legitimate concerns that have been raised in terms of the externalities. Well, the Bruffdale thing is a pretty, like, I can understand why someone who lives on Bruffdale would be worried about that situation. Well, the, the people that live in Bruffdale are long gone. I yes, mean, fair enough. when I moved to the neighborhood back in 2001, uh, it, it was a pretty balanced neighborhood, and our ward counselor, Joni Beckler, used to come to our neighborhood meetings and say, you got you got to keep the balance because once it once it tips over to a certain point you're gonna you're gonna lose the whole thing and we're seeing that in other neighborhoods we're seeing that in Blackfriars we're seeing that in parts of downtown we're seeing that um, in in other parts of, um, of of London um, I do think though that if we improve the transit in London it's going to make it easier for students to have more choices in terms of how far out they live but as things stand right now it's 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 a big ask for students to, to be living on the um, east side if they're coming in if they're coming into Western. That might improve. Yeah. Or White Oaks or whatever it happens yeah. to be. Yeah. yeah. So if, if that's the case then, are there any universities or municipalities that you're looking at right now and saying, hey, they're getting it right, they're doing a good job, maybe we should be bringing some of their ideas to London. Is there anything that comes to mind when I say that? I'm in constant search of that and that's just part <laughs> of my... Haven't found it yet? <laughs> well, well, I mean, many different, you know, many, di many different cities that have universities are at different stages of development right. in terms of their town and gown situation. And I think we used to, we used to do a lot more here in, in London. I know people in Waterloo are very concerned about it. I was just talking to the councillor in Waterloo and I'm, I'm in touch with people in, in, in Kingston. But I do think we need some somewhat of a confederated approach, which is why I, I want you to talk to AJ uh, Ray some more because he was, <laughs> Ray J, AJ was on the podcast on Friday, and he and I had to talk about this. Yeah. So yeah, but this 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 uh, town and gown uh, issue, I'm not sure that that's the best term anymore. Right? Maybe it's just a student housing initiative. Um, students want to be good neighbors. Mm -hmm. I, I know. I know this is a hard sell. Well, oh, when, I think you're right. When there's when there's a when there's when there's disruptions, and there are disruptions, we have them. Mm -hmm. But we sort of know what houses the disruptions right. come from, and I, I want to push code enforcement to be a little bit more, uh, a little less lenient yeah. on on some of these on some of these operators. I, I, I agree with that entirely. And when you say students want to be good neighbors, I think in you know ninety something percent of cases, you're right. And hey, there's going to be parties from time to time. You know, people who are 18, 19 years old, living at home, living away from home for the first time, they're going to want to have some fun, and that's fine. Well, obviously, it, it goes from being fun to being dangerous pretty quick when you have a few thousand people on a street and things along those lines. And that's kind of what you have to. Well, guide. That's why you want to balance in, in the right. neighborhood because when there's a balance in the neighborhood, people are conscious of the fact that there are other there are other people with different kinds of, uh, uh, you know. Uh, a needs in terms of their lifestyle. When it when it when it goes beyond the tipping point, then there's like this ownership uh, feel, feeling. And um, I do I do think though that um, I, I was glad that the representative from the student association was here. I hope you get a chance to talk to her mm -hmm. as well. She has a lot of good ideas. Yeah, that's uh, something we can do too. Uh, before we wrap up here. 
what do you want to see from the municipality? Because that's always what we're talking about here. We're at AMO. Uh, clearly, there's advocacy to the feds and the province on this, but what can the City of London, in your estimation, do to try and help this situation? I know that it's going to take everyone, but from the City of London's perspective, you as the ward councillor, what can we do? Well, num number one, I want to encourage the university when they do things like um, announce that they're building a new dormitory at, right. at the corner of Richmond and, and Tell university. them to keep them coming. Gates. So keep, them, keep them coming. Um, do it in a way that is at least somewhat respectful of the fact that it's a transition into the neighborhood. I think they'll do that. I think they understand that they just can't build, build out the structure. They have to have setbacks right. and things like that. I like the idea of seeing uh, more, more services on campus that will appeal to people in the neighborhood. You know, if you go into the student union building, there are all sorts of uh, there are all sorts of things. I, I want the university to do more outreach to the neighborhood. I want the university to be more mindful of the neighborhood. And I want the university to uh, work with the city more in terms of identifying the problem uh, properties. Because, you see, you, you, you can take disciplinary action against a student for, for, for disruptions, but the landlord is laughing all the way to the bank because they're just going to... still cashing the checks, yeah. Not only that, but they're going to bring in another similar group next year at a higher rent. Right. So we, we need to... I mean, the vacancy decontrol has just caused so much trouble. So there's Councillor Sam Trosso joining us here on the Craig Needles podcast to talk about that and, and, and our thanks to him. And, and he had a couple of minutes to chat with us at, at AMO, which was, which was really great. And I, I think that this issue needs to be talked about more because this is something that's on the province, on the feds, and in some cases on municipalities as well. You've got to allow building in and around areas where students want to live. And, and Sam talked about it, and he's right. Transit has to be part of the conversation, too. But in and around the areas where students want to live, you've got to allow building. So as an example, Richmond Row, downtown London, you've got to allow it. Because there are so few places that make sense for students to live. The competition for them gets out of control. And then you can buy one house near Fanshawe that is probably a home for a family of five, turn it into a place where 10 people live, you're violating fire codes, and you can create some pretty dangerous situations. And that's not just me saying this might happen. That's something that's actually happened in the city of London. Do you remember the story? I was at the news conference where they honored the guys that, that, that saved some lives here. And they seem like uh, really good guys, UV and Avi, uh, and I had a, a great chance to chat with both of them. But their heroics saved people's lives. And why were their heroics needed? There was a Fanshawe student among 15 tenants crammed into one single-family home. This is on Hillcrest Avenue, sort of not directly in the Fanshawe region, but in northeast London. And that home gets lit on fire, and the ability to get out of that place was somewhat compromised by the fact that there were so many people living there and the house had been sort of split off into so many so many different areas for living. Eight bedrooms, 14 beds. That's what the Ontario Fire Marshal's Office said. Now, of course, that's illegal. I'm not saying we should make that illegal. It already is. Of course, you have to keep from violating fire codes. That's something you need to do. But it is something that Every municipality, their bylaw officers, enforcement, they're not going to catch that every single time. And part of what keeps landlords honest in those situations is the ability of somebody who is in a place like that to say, you know what, 
there are eight bedrooms in this house that originally had three when it was built. There are 14 people living here. I don't want to live here, but I've got options to go live someplace else. That's how you keep landlords honest. And that's not what's happening, is it? Because vacancy rates are so low, especially in the areas surrounding Western and Fanshawe, that landlords can essentially do whatever they want so long as they're not caught by the city. And the city isn't going to catch everyone. And I will say this. I know there's arguments for hiring more bylaw officers in the city that can do these types of rental inspections. And, and I, to be clear, am on board with that. That's fine with me. However, you can hire 10 bylaw officers and that's not going to do as much to help solve this problem in my estimation, the estimates of, uh, estimations of some others too. That's not going to do as much to solve this problem as decreasing the vacancy rate by one and a half, two percent or increasing rather the vacancy rate by one and a half or two percent. Maybe a little bit more, but the, the, the point stands that bylaw officers are only going to be able to get so much. At some point, the market has to allow for people to say, I'm not going to live at this slummy place and give them the ability, the agency to make that decision because they have other options, because they have other spots they can go to. Because right now, that doesn't exist. Especially if you want to rent near Western and Fanshawe. Really, it doesn't exist anywhere in London. But part of the reason why it is so competitive, part of the reason why it is such a big issue is the number of international students who are coming in. And you heard me talking about it with Sam, that there are significant projections for Western and Fanshawe, more so Fanshawe, as far as the number of students who are not from Ontario coming to the system. And we've seen some of the numbers online that would indicate that people who are not from Ontario are the ones who are paying the freight for Ontario's college system right now. So Alex Usher, you may have seen this on Twitter, but uh, Alex Usher is with the Higher Education Strategies Associates and has put out some numbers as far as how colleges are being funded in this province. This is for the 21-22 school year. About half of funding for those colleges is coming from student fees. About half. And then you factor it in a little bit more and realize that the number of students from outside the country are really paying the freight there. And think to yourself, and AJ Ray talked about this on Friday's roundtable, uh, a lot of Ontario colleges would just cease to exist pretty quick if all of a sudden international students weren't allowed to come here. And I'm not advocating this. I'm not saying that's the way we should be going. But in Ontario, the chunk of international student fees that are funding our universities and our colleges is a bigger chunk than the rest of the country. Is that a sustainable way to do things? 
knowing full well that you have to continue to increase international enrollment over and over and over again. I'm not against international enrollment. I want to be clear. But universities and colleges have to have the infrastructure in place to know they can handle that international enrollment. And right now, quite simply, they don't, which is how people wind up living in death traps near Fanshawe College because they don't have a fire exit. It's a very, very easy process to draw a line from one to the other. And as Alex said in his tweet, this is a quote, I would have to do some digging, but I'm pretty sure that the implication here is that students from India are putting more into the Ontario college system than does Queen's Park. I think that Alex is probably right about that. And again, we don't have the necessarily final numbers to indicate that. But the point stands. At the very least, it's somewhat competitive. So if students from outside of Canada are bankrolling our college system, if that's what's going on here, well, maybe we should find those folks a place to live. And Western doing the right thing. They're, they're building some residences. Of course, they're not going to be ready in even a couple of years. It's that takes some time and that's fine. Building takes time, but we need to see more of that at Fanshawe, more of that at Western, more of that at universities and colleges all over the province. Another tweet from Alex. Ontario is facing a 15 to 20% increase in 18 to 21 year olds over the next decade. Universities in the province basically full. And the deliberate policy of the Ontario government is to ensure institutions get paid thirty to forty thousand dollars for every marginal international student they accept, but only eight thousand dollars for every domestic one. So it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly where the priority lies for a place like Western, and more so, as Sam pointed out, a place like Fanshawe. Are you going to accept that student who grew up in Sarnia or that student who grew up in Hamilton? Or are you going to accept that student who grew up in New Delhi? And that's nothing against a student from New Delhi who can come in and be a great contributor to this country. And that's fine. We need that immigration in this country. But from Fanshawe's perspective, the kid from Sarnia just doesn't compare. Not even close. Not happening. And that same type of math is being done at colleges and universities all over the country. So this is something that needs to be addressed from a building perspective. And this is something that needs to be addressed from a policy perspective too. So I'm glad Councillor Trosso was able to talk about that with us today. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Craig Neal's podcast. We will have a few more episodes at least this week. So hopefully you can stick around for some of those. We're going to have some conversations about housing. And of course, we have the Friday roundtable coming up. So thank you for listening to this edition of the Craig Needles podcast, which you can find at classicrock981.com, londonnewstoday.ca, and on your favorite podcast app. The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 